Hi, and welcome to Concepts for Living. We're coming to you from the sanctuary where God is moving week after week and wonderful things are happening as lives are being changed and miracles are being testified to. God is at work. And that's why it brings us great pleasure to bring you more Concepts for Living. And in this particular message, I'll be speaking from the theme let us behave ourselves. This first of the two pastoral epistles of the Apostle Paul, written to Timothy, his young mentee in ministry. It is believed that these epistles were written just before Paul was martyred. Paul was martyred in A.D. 66, and there is clear alignment that these two epistles were written at that time. We believe that they were written in preparation for Paul's passing. It was a time when he was keenly aware that it wouldn't be long now, that he would be making his transition and he would experience his decease. But Paul takes the time to write to this young mentee in Timothy, who he saw as his ministry successor. He saw Timothy as the prime candidate to follow in his ministerial steps. In chapter 1, you might note that he stresses doctrinal concerns. In fact, let me just touch that a bit. Because when you read it, you will see that Paul is very much concerned about how he leaves the state of the church after his departure. So look at verse 1 of chapter 1. He introduces himself, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I bes look, Listen to what he's saying now. He's pouring out his heart. He says, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed, verse 4, to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. 
So do. In other words, do this. And he's talking now, say, by doctrine. He's talking about doctrine. He's talking about doctrine to the extent that Paul would, would put into his very heart and mind the necessity and the critical need that good doctrine is taught. Then if you go on, you'll notice that he expresses an appreciation for his own ministerial calling. Bear in mind, I'm talking about Paul as he is keenly aware that he's getting ready to leave. And he wants to leave things in place. But listen to how he does it. If you read with me in verse 12, in fact, just two verses, verse 12 and 13, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. That is Paul talking. He said, who was before a blasphemer? And so he is really saying, you know, uh, we, we got to be careful about, uh, you know, what's going on. And so he said, who was before a blasphemer? He said, that's who I was. I was a blasphemer and I was a persecutor. Isn't that right? He said, but I obtained mercy. See, see the verse? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And so then, verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, I was messed up, but through the grace of God, Hallelujah. I got up, and God has blessed me to be in ministry. So Paul is thanking God for the opportunity to have served. Now, look at verses 18 and 20. Say, this is Bible. Listen now as he charges Timothy. Or as he commits the charge to Timothy. This charge I commit unto thee, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. It was prophesied that you would be here. It was prophesied that you would be in the position that you're in. That thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Got it? Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made a shipwreck. In other words, don't be like those folks who didn't hold to the faith. Now he gives an example. Of whom is Hymenius and Alexandria, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Boy, this is so awesome. He's taking the time to set things in order. And Timothy is now responsible to make sure that he fulfills that charge. Now we come to chapter 2. And as we get over into chapter 2, you see how Paul exhorts Timothy. 
I exhort, therefore, that first supplications, prayers, and intercessions all be made for those that are in authority. Now, what he's doing now, he is giving uh, Timothy this assignment to make sure that the saints, that the Christian believers, that the church that lives in the community that is made up of leaders, some political, some functioning in another area, but they have authority over us. Now, the church's response to them is that we are to pray for them. In fact, we are to give priority to praying for them because he says, first of all. You got that? So we have a duty to pray for our government and for our leaders in whatever sphere of endeavor. Now, Paul is not only asking that they would behave themselves that way concerning our leaders in the community, but how they would conduct themselves in worship. Well, as always, the three points of this message, the declaration, the direction, and the disposition. You'll see how they further explain this whole idea of us behaving ourselves. The old theologian put it this way, he said, prayer is the believer's sincere communication with a powerful God. Because when I come in sincerely and I call on God, he has the power to do everything that I need to have done. The Bible says that his ears are inclined you know, that, 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 that's an old Edisabinian uh, uh, word, but, but, but it, simply means, it simply means his ear is bent this way. Uh, uh, he's, he's, he's waiting, he's listening, he's, he, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, you know, alert to receive the prayer. But when nothing comes up, until you get in trouble, or nothing of prayer is exercise until you get here on Sunday morning at 11. God help us. Prayer ought to be our lifestyle. Pray everywhere. One translation says, pray in every place. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, chapter 1 and, and verse 2. You, you, you may look there for yourself. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, he says, now, look, uh, uh, and he, uh, let me read it. That way, that way I'm sure that I'm going to be on target here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place, Call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. In other words, wherever you are, 
live the life of prayer. You can pray about everything, about anything. You see, when I, I counsel uh, people uh, getting ready uh, to marry, I try my best to help them to develop the kind of relationship where they can relate and communicate and trust confidentially everything that concerns them with a person. Now, if you're sleeping with somebody beside you and you both got the rings on and you all been properly married and all like that, then, then you, you ought to be able to trust that person. Something wrong if, if you don't trust the person that you married. Are you with me? So you can pray together. You can pray for one another. You can pray for your family. When you check Job out, Job said, the Bible said, Job prayed for his family. He prayed for his children that they would not bring a curse. Some things are not going to happen just because you have a degree. But when you live the life of prayer without a degree, you can get some things done. You can see some changes. Very quiet right through here. Okay? Prayer. Prayer. Sometimes you can be in the midst of prayer in your human language. And your Holy Ghost see you struggling. That's when he comes alongside. And the Bible says that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit, what? what? He, he, he helps our infirmities and causes us to end up praying and taking credit for something that we really didn't say, couldn't, we didn't know what to say, how to say it, but we take the credit for it. My prayer was answered, folks, my prayer was answered. The Holy Ghost helped us. But he can't help you to do what you're not doing. Live a life of prayer. I would that men would pray everywhere. You and I have to understand that when we truly pray, we bring the power of God into the situation. We bring all the resources of heaven into an earthly situation. God can change things. Prayer does change things. In fact, prayer will change you so you can change things. No matter where you are, develop a life of prayer. Paul and Silas was in jail. They were in prison. They were in chains. They were in stocks. The Bible said, and they put them in the inner prison. And then they set a guard over them. Come on, somebody. And while they were in there, the Bible said, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Uh, and when they prayed, heaven responded. I said, heaven responded. I said, heaven responded. And when heaven responded, the doors flew open. And the chains fell off. And they, they, they were so aware that it had to be God that they didn't even try to come out. They just said, look at this. I want somebody in a midnight situation. I'm talking to you up there, wherever you are. I say, I want somebody in a midnight situation. You got your all locked down and look like you can't get out. But I wonder if you are willing to put it to the test. I dare you, call on God in the midst of your situation. 
and God will send you help from the realms of life, and you open doors, and you take chains off, and you change life. Start praying. Look at somebody and say, it's time to start praying. Then the, we have the declaration. Then we have the, watch this now, this is very important, very important, the direction, because a lot of folk need direction in their prayer life and in their worship. You think you know everything, but you don't. Worship is not in your hands. It's in God's hands. Do you know the, the only one that has been assigned by God to hold all things in subjection to the head, which is Jesus Christ, and to make sure that the church runs like it's supposed to run and moves like it's supposed to move is the Holy Ghost. He is the chief administrator of the church. Are you with me? So what we have to understand is that we have to respect him and honor him and not quench him or grieve him. So that's why you and I have to submit ourselves so that when we do pray and when we do begin to worship, we worship in the spirit because God, uh, we must worship in spirit and in truth. It don't have to be the way you want it. We need to understand, he said, that this is the way you do it. That in your worship, I want you to understand, you got to be lifting up your hands. He said, well, am I in this book? He said, I would that they would pray everywhere. How? Lifting up holy hands. Well, I sincerely trust that you have been inspired and challenged, like me, and in fact all of us, to behave ourselves as we ought. So until next time, when we shall come to you with more concepts for living, may God bless you and yours. Thank you for viewing Concepts for Living. If you would like a CD, DVD, or download the entire message, go to our website www.fcogchapel.org We would like to hear from you. Please send an email for prayer or send a praise report on how God is blessing you through this program. We invite you to join us again for another Concepts for Living.